You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for The Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. As you know, I'm Henry uh, Borsma. Uh, thanks for everybody watching online as well, and who've come here this morning. Uh, it's not too often I'm up here. I haven't been up here for a few years, and I hope what you find, what I have to say, you find refreshing and some, have some takeaways from it. We'll start off with a story. Uh, a few years ago, a couple of more than two decades ago, I was um, just before Lois and I were married. We were at our church, not here. It was in another city. And uh, we were sitting in the pews like you guys are right now. And there was an uh, announcement made that our youth pastor was resigning. And I was working really close with him. I was uh, involved in uh, the youth and young adults ministry as a leader. And I didn't realize until that morning that he was resigning. And uh, it was said that in his uh, stay, like as, as to make up him not being there, I, I was recommended and another gentleman who we were working with as well would uh, fill in the gap. And this was also not relayed to me until that morning. So it was a bit, a bit surprising to me. And uh, I was a, a bit, uh, I guess, let down, not only surprised, but um, I have a good relationship with that youth pastor still to this day. We've, we've chatted, and I don't hold anything against him. It just, I guess I felt let down mostly, um, slightly abandoned, um, but I got over it. Um, I just tell that to you today, that story, just to kind of set uh, a, a story that uh, sometimes people do things that disappoint us, and we have certain expectations of people that we don't even realize until that expectation is not met that we realize that we had that expectation, and then we feel let down. And sometimes we blame God for that, that being let down. And it's not God's fault. He's not the one who let us down, even though we may think that, and we might blame him for it. It's not his fault. And I just wanted to uh, share that with you because people have different limitations, and... They don't live forever. They make mistakes. I make mistakes. I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to let people down. I'm going to let my family down, my friends. And to get mad at God because someone hurt you or let you down is, is one way that people do f- deal with that discomfort. But really, it's God who is reliable. He is the one who is faithful and who loves you to no end. And you need to put your trust in God and not in the people who can fail you. He's forever loving and faithful, which is part of his character. It's part of the fruit of the Spirit from Galatians 5. In Hebrews, um, in, in, the, in the language Hebrew, there's uh, the two words love and faithfulness is hesed, means love. And hesed 
can be translated into English as steadfast and love. You can see it possibly on the screen behind me, how it's written. It means steadfast love, loving kindness, covenant loyalty, as translated by Reverend Patrick Vincent. I'll bring you to a story in Exodus with Moses on the mount, wherein he brings up the tablets for the Ten Commandments. It's from the NIV, Exodus 34, 5 to 6. It says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him and proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Now, emet, out of those two Hebrew words, is another Hebrew word. It means truth or also amen, faithfulness, trustworthy or reliable. And that's translated for me uh, by Rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lepin. It shows that emet, the Hebrew word, is uh, meaning truth and so much more. Trustworthy or reliable is our God. When you put these two words, these two Hebrew words together, hased and emet, they help to define each other. As John Mark Comer writes, God's love is his faithfulness. God's faithfulness is his love. I'll repeat that. God's love is his faithfulness. And God's faithfulness is his love. Let's look at how this is told through the Bible, but also about how it applies to us today. Back in Genesis, God made everything good. So he's, but then humans messed it up with our, with our decisions, our free will. God wants to make it right again, but he wants to do it through us. And how does that work? With Abram, we'll see, we can see uh, starting in uh, Genesis 12 and there on, how he can be, how he's the father of a great nation, but he has no children. That's God's promise to him that he'd be Abraham, the father of many. And then miraculously, Sarai, in her old age, gives birth to a son. Later, God tests Abram to sacrifice his son, and Abram shows his actions by trusting God because he's already seen that God can provide a miracle And he trusts God to go along with this sacrifice, knowing that God God already made a huge miracle happen. Nothing's too difficult for him. So he he already trusts God, that God is faithful to his word. I'll share with you a story of uh, how I, I guess I asked God for, to test his faithfulness when I was uh, 19. I, uh, I was laid off here in the orbit as a first-year electrician. They would hire me for a week, lay me off for a week. And then that was okay, but then it was, came to, like, no work for months. And uh, at one point, I had $7 left in my wallet. And I said, the Lord, I took your promise from Matthew 6.33, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. 
But before that, it says all these things, which referring to shelter and food and clothing. Don't worry about it all, God says. And so I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to go to the grocery store, buy what I can. I bought some chicken, put it in the freezer. And with my time, which I had plenty of, I went and volunteered more at the church. I was already involved as a youth leader and young adults leader, um, but I had more time, so more volunteer. And that chicken sat in my freezer for over two weeks. God, he, he provided uh, for the next 16 days. I was invited for meals at different people's houses. And wow, that's spoken, that's really spoke strongly to me about how God uh, came through. He came through for me. And uh, yeah, God is faithful and loving. He cannot be anything else as it's out of character for him. When we're unfaithful, he is still faithful. When we are unloving, he is still loving. I know sometimes we, when, when people are unfaithful to us or unloving to us, we think we will retaliate back the same, but it only ends up hurting us and hurting that relationship, and God isn't like that. Our mistakes don't make him want to change. All throughout the Bible, you read stories of people failing and making horrible mistakes. And God is faithful through it all. When evil arises, God doesn't step back, but rather God is at work. When we are unfaithful, God's love, it comes through. When God in Genesis Chapter 15, I'd like to just read that uh, whole chapter. It's 21 verses. It's God's covenant with Abram. Starting in verse 1, says, After these things, I'm reading from the ESV. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram. So Abram had just, I'll give you the kind of the where he's at. He had just fought uh, to rescue Lot, his nephew, because he had been kidnapped and all his belongings. So he had acquired it back, and he had met up with Melchizedek. And after these things, God says, Fear not, Abram. I am your shield, your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heavens and count the stars. Number them if you can. Then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord. And he counted it to him as righteousness. And he said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. But he said, O Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And he said to him, 
Bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old, and a ram, three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these, cut them in half, and laid each half over against the other. But he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. Now this is where we get the, the uh, term cutting a deal. This was a common way of making a covenant. It's, uh, it's not only mentioned in the Bible, but in other history books where people made blood covenant where if you broke your end of the deal, your blood was spilt. So, keeping on in uh, verse 12. Uh, As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to him, Abram, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs, and will be servants there, and they will be afflicted for 400 years, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried at a good old age, and they shall come back here in the fourth generation, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Now this verse, these last few verses where the I think really cool part is verse 17 says, When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. The pieces meaning those animals that were cut in half. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, To your offspring I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So God had been asked a question by Abram, how am I to know? And God spoke to him in a way that Abram would know, as blood covenants were common at that time. So Abram would have felt more assured that God had given him a covenant to promise him the land and offspring. The pieces that God, as a flaming torch walked through, were livestock to seal the deal. It was a symbol that if you broke the covenant, that your blood would need to be spilt like the animals. So God was giving a promise to Abram and sealing the deal the way that Abram would understand. Abram wasn't bringing as much to the table other than some animals to be sacrificed. But Abram, although Abram needed to trust God, that was probably the biggest part of Abram's part, and it's sort of similar to us where Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He, he gave a much bigger sacrifice, and our part is to trust 
and to obey and to, to follow God as Abram did. Trust him in faith. John Mark Comer writes in a response to this passage, it's Yahweh's sign, it's Yahweh's way of saying that even if Abraham and his children don't keep their end of the bargain, he's still keeping his promise. He'll rescue and save the world through his soon-to-be nation, this soon-to-be nation. So no matter the cost, and if blood has to be spilled, it won't come from Abraham. It'll come from Yahweh himself. He's willing to die and become like this, these animals just to be keeping his promise and to bring the world back to life. And Jesus is the answer to this. Jesus is an heir of Abraham. He's an Israelite. And Jesus is also Yahweh. He is God. His blood spilt for the world to be blessed by God through his children. And we are his children. I'm Dutch. I'm not Jewish, but I have been adopted into the body of Christ. So I praise God for that, that I can be adopted. And I praise God that I can be blessed to be a blessing. John 1.14 from the ESV writes just about, about how Christ is the flesh. It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now remember from Genesis 12, when God first calls Abram, out to make that promise to him that he will be a blessing to all the families of the earth. Jesus is the answer to that promise. We'll read the first three verses from that chapter in Genesis 12. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to that land and I will show you and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Despite popular belief, God did not promise to give Abraham and his descendants an easy life. As you may know or not, the Jews are and have been one of the most persecuted groups of people on this planet. The promise God gave was for his children to be blessed, to be a blessing. And we can be a blessing in so many ways. Jesus, when he came to this earth, he gave up so much. For those 33 years he was here, he, he chose to live a simple life. But he was also very wise that King Herod desired to be in his presence. Pilate was in his presence and was awed by his speech and his responses. And he spoke and ministered to so many from many spectrums of, of society. He chose not to live a selfish life, but a, 
a very selfless life. And he strengthened himself by seeking solitude, often with God, and he was ministered to. Jesus' words from uh, John 16, 33, he says, Jesus says to us, in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation or trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So even though there is evil in the world that sometimes comes from our own mistakes or maybe the mistakes of those around us, God uses that and has been using that for eons to work his good. He doesn't promise a bed of roses. He sees the end. Your character and the way you live your life is far more important than getting everything you want. Even Jesus didn't get everything he wanted when he was here on earth. From, we see in Matthew 26, verse 39, he's in the garden before he is to be crucified. And he, uh, it says, and going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, my father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Like a good father, God does want the best for you. He does give you dreams and desires. Sometimes they just take a while, like Isaac for Abram and Sarai. That was just one son, not the stars in the heaven. So sometimes we don't even see it in our lifetime. And if you are being blessed, then be a blessing right now. We are the bride of Christ, and his spirit is in us. The fruit of his spirit, which includes love and faithfulness, should be evident in us. Just as he is faithful and loving, so should we be. So ask yourself this, where does God want you to be faithful. Oftentimes, it's the hardest thing to do. That's the right thing to do.